MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Number three of the nightcap. Time flies when you're having fun. You're arguing with one another. Yeah. Genius is lonely, man. I keep telling you. <laughs> I got to figure out when BYU doesn't make the college football playoff what I'll, I'll make you wear. But. And, and I think you just have to remember that I'm saying if they run the table. So I yeah. don't look at BYU and think that they're like this I know. once in a lifetime, you know, if they go dynamic, to- independent. Like, I'm just looking at what their accomplishments are going to be. And then I try and be objective about some of the teams that they could be competing with for that spot. Again, Cincinnati, in my opinion, controls their own destiny. I don't, I don't think, think so. I, I don't think so. I don't think well, we'll BYU talk, does. Let, let's talk about this on the other side because I don't think Cincinnati controls its own destiny. I think they still need a lot of work, a lot of help. Uh, to go their way. But let's turn our attention to the NFL. By the way, Red Sox on to the ALDS to take oh, on man. the Rays. E-E. And uh, what was that, Aaron? Rays minus 150 on the series price. Let's bring in Eric Eager. He joins us each and every Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. Yep. Today's Tuesday. Yep. Tuesday. Uh, joins us every Tuesday in this spot. I was texting with Eric uh, not too long ago, trying to trying to work out a teaser because uh, thank you, Saints. Appreciate you blowing that eleven point lead. That really was top notch. But uh, Eric, let's uh, let's start in the NFC West because it is fascinating right now. Um, DraftKings, uh, as of last check, had the Rams still as a slight favorite, but here come the Cardinals at plus one seventy five. 49ers dealing with a quarterback situation there with uh, with with Jimmy Garoppolo banged up. So when you look at where we stand right now uh, with the NFC West, uh, does anything stand out at you 
plus 150 for the Rams. Oh, Cardinals have moved to plus 150, co-favorites. Seahawks at 5-1, to one, and the Niners at plus 650. Yeah, I mean, I think that order makes a little bit of sense. We're a little bit more bullish on Arizona than maybe the market. We have them around 48%. That, that tiebreaker is really meaningful that they have with L.A. now, not only winning that game but winning it on the road. Right, so LA wants to even the score there. They got to go to Arizona and win. Um, that was a big uh, lift there. Um, you know, Arizona has you know the 17th hardest schedule in the NFL, so not a terrible slate moving forward. Um, but yeah, I, I very much uh, think that that order makes a lot of sense. We have all the teams projected for uh, an eight. You know, Niners are the worst team at 8.6. Every single team in that division is slated to have a winning record right now. Talking once again to Eric Eager uh, from Pro Football Focus. Um, just staying out west, and, and one game that's really intriguing to me, we talked about it a little bit earlier uh, in the show, and, and Sean has his questions, and I'm curious what the ratings are at Pro Football Focus about Baker, uh, and I think they're, they're rightfully so. Um, but, you know, I, I know the way you think and the way – I think all of us kind of think is when can we get off high? When can we buy low? You and I liked the Bears last week. That was kind of a buy low opportunity when everyone thought they stunk and they win uh, by 10 points. So you got the Chargers coming off of this impressive win. Cleveland's coming to town. Yes, they beat Minnesota. Offense didn't look great. Uh, so we're getting some points with Cleveland here at one and a half. Is this a sell high opportunity on the Chargers? What, what are your numbers at Pro Football Focus say about this game? Yeah, we make the game like basically a pick. So, um, you know, not a great home field advantage for the Chargers. Browns fans tend to travel well. Um, so I think there's going to be a little bit of value here on Cleveland. Money line, probably if you get something like plus 110 at some point, go ahead and take that. Uh, we have Cleveland better than the Chargers in sort of like all facets of play, which sounds weird because the Chargers are so well coached on defense. But you know, they're still a little bit creaky, um, but you're right. You're buying the, the, the Browns at sort of the lowest there, and you're selling uh, the Chargers at their highest, right? And that, that's always a bet you want to make. We were talking uh, off air, like this thing's at one and a half. If you see, you know, you could probably tease this thing up to seven and a half. Total is 47, and that's low for an NFL uh, total now, even though we like the over in the game. Um, you know, that, that's another option, too, if you're not fully you know, sure that Cleveland and win the game outright or cover one and a half, you can tease them up to seven and a half because there are some other teasable lines uh, on the betting market this weekend. Eric, talk me through losing Kenneth Murray. You look at this Chargers defense. I know Justin Herbert and, and those offensive weapons, you know, get a lot of the attention when it comes to the early season success. But I tend to think that Kenneth Murray is one of the better sideline to sideline linebackers in the National Football League. Just came out that I think he's out for the season, if I'm not mistaken. How does that impact them defensively? Well, you know, I haven't done this research yet. I do want to do it, but like anecdotally, the player that wears the green dot, I'm not exactly sure if he does for them, but you've seen it, you know, you've seen that um, at times be something that has hurt great defenses, right? So you look at last year, Devin Bush, when he went out. Um, you know, Bud Dupree went out at roughly the same time. It's a little bit of a confounder. But the Steelers' defense went from, you know, one of the league's best to kind of a, you know, just a good defense, right? And, and when you win, you know, the, the margins are thin in the NFL. That's a big deal. So 
Uh, Murray was one of the better linebackers at not fighting on play action, despite being young last season. But we can measure that with NGS data. Um, you know, as you said, he's got that speed to go side to side. And you know, one of the important things in that in that Fangio Staley defense is you need to have linebackers who can who can you know scrape off blocks and make tackles because you play you know six man fronts most of the time to try to play coverage. Uh, and so your front seven players or front six players in this case have to be good football players. And uh, the more that you take away, there's just not that many good linebackers in the NFL. So you take one away, uh, that has a big, uh, big effect. Before I pass you back to Tim, just stand right there on the injury front. Another team, Chicago, David Montgomery is going to miss some time. What's that impact the Bears offense, especially with a rookie quarterback? What do you think about them coming out here to Las Vegas? Well, you know, he has been one of the better running backs in the NFL. So that, that is, that's going to, as much as a running back can influence the point spread and everything like that, it's going to hurt them. He was, you know, adding value this year for sure um, relative to what most running backs do. So it will hurt them. Damian Williams uh, did get banged up a little bit, but it sounds like he's okay. Um, Damian Williams, as we know, is a capable backup, uh, a guy that scored, you know, what, like 10 touchdowns in the playoffs for the Chiefs in 19 or 18, 19. So, Certainly capable there, but uh, a little bit of a drop off. You know, they're going to be limited to what Matt Nagy wants out of them. You know, he, he's he's very much going to be a guy um, who you know is going to limit that offense with his imagination. Total on that game is forty four and a half. I do think I do kind of like over in that game because I do think the Vegas Raiders are, are going to try to score, and if the Chicago Bears can't run the football, they're going to be forced to throw it. Um, and you know, even though Fields has struggled at times, he did show some poise. Uh, last week in winning a game against Detroit, throwing the ball downfield. Talk once again to Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Eric on Twitter. He and George Shahuri give you the PFF forecast. Great podcast, gambling. Uh, they break it all down each and every week. It's uh, it's a tremendous listen uh, each week, multiple times a week. Uh, one of the spots where I think the public uh, will be on uh, pretty heavily is Green Bay on the road laying a short number. Now, as, as Sean brought up earlier in the show, Joe Mixon means so much to that offense. And uh, the reports that Mixon was week to week, Zach Taylor came out and said that's not necessarily true. He says it's more day-to-day with that ankle injury. Uh, that said, Cincinnati at home getting three. I, I just know this is a good spot, right? Public's going to see that three, see the candy, and they're going to say Packers will go in there and win this one easily. So that one is jumping at me because I'm crazy and I like pain, as Sean likes to say. Uh, what do you think about Green Bay, Cincinnati on Sunday? Yeah, this is one. I mean, we do an article every Monday where we've got games. You know, we've got games, and so far this season, we've had no games closed worse than what we bet. And this is one that's going to close worse than we bet because we lay three and a half with the Packers, um, and it's probably going to close three or south of three, not given where it's looking. I don't get it. Uh, I might get a little bit of Cincinnati, let's say, plus eight and a half on a teaser just to hedge. Um, a little bit because I don't know why the people are buying into the Bengals. I guess if you look at it, you know, if Joe makes some plays, Packers are pretty soft against the run. Um, Burrow is playing fantastic. You do get the 10 days of rest for a young team, um, you know, coming into, you know, a Green Bay team that, you know, has to now, I believe they played a four o'clock game and then, a, you know, so like there's a rest differential area there. I don't think it's worth enough, though, to only get three. Uh, if you're the Bengals, uh, or to get as much, you know, to get three with the Bengals. 
So I'm either I'm laying off this, seeing the market resistance, but I, I'm kind of questioning it. Like, I don't know where this is coming from because uh, to me, Matt Lafleur versus uh, Zach Taylor, same coaching tree, but a huge mismatch of this game. Eric Eager here from Pro Football Focus. Eric, move to Thursday night's game. And in hindsight, Rams, Cardinals, maybe the Cardinals are a lot better than a lot of people thought. But as I rewatch that game, I think the kryptonite for this Rams team is a quarterback that can extend plays and make them cover in the secondary. They're running into a quarterback very similar to Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. What's your take on this Thursday night game in about a minute? Yeah, that that's a... Uh, Russell Wilson this year, 106 passer rating win under pressure. Um, he has no turnover worthy plays this year. So he's playing really well. Um, and, and the Rams are very fragile defensively. They have a few really great players, but they have some weaknesses that can be exploited. Now, whether or not the, the, the uh, Seahawks or Shane Walden's going to be smart enough to exploit those is for me. <laughs> I, I, do, I, I don't understand necessarily this number moving out for a pick to minus two and a half now. He is Eric Eager. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. Check out his podcast, the PFF Forecast. Eric, as always, man, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. There he is, Eric Eager. That is Sean King. I am Tim Murray. Get back to fight college football today. Not at all. It's a nightcap here on VEASAN. It is a nightcap here on VEASAN. That is Sean King. I am Tim Murray. Sean King is uh, excited. We're both excited. We both had the Red Sox tonight. We took the dog. We will uh, we'll talk more about the NL wild card game coming up in 15 minutes. We'll head out west, even further west than where we are, out to Los Angeles, bringing Jorge Castillo, who covers the Dodgers. Uh, so we will break that down. Uh, that is coming up tomorrow night as well, the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Um just uh, just a couple nuggets here. Uh, so it will be Red Sox and Rays starting on Thursday. Rays opened minus 150 at DraftKings. That has been bet up. Now Rays minus 170. They know. Red Sox plus 140. The Westgate Superbook opened the Rays minus $2. And the Red Sox plus 175. They really could just stop wasting time and go ahead and go to the World Series. <laughs> The Rays versus whoever you guys want to pick. <laughs> That's what we do. Oh, man. So, uh, beautiful. Uh, uh, baseball is here. Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm cheering for the Braves and the Brewers because uh, I know they're playing each other. But uh, I've got futures on both of those. Braves would be better because I got them at 18-1 to 1 preseason. I don't feel great, but at least we're in the dance. You know, we're dancing at least. You know, I mean, I guess I got that going for us. So uh, these are some World Series matchups. Anything jump out at you? Yeah, I'm probably going to put a little play on Rays Giants and Rays Brewers. Okay. Yeah, I don't want Rays Dodgers, so I'm not going to bet for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So there you go. A couple uh, World Series matchup options there. Um. We've been talking quite a bit uh, tonight, and it is. Uh, been fun. It's been lively mm-hmm. uh, discussing the college football playoff and and who can make it, who won't make it. Um, who what are some intriguing plays out there? Um, when it comes to Cincinnati, you say you believe they control their own destiny. I do. I disagree. Mm-hmm. And the reason is they still need things to work out in their favor. Now, once it, 
I feel like, Sean, to this point, everything that could go right for them has gone right. They have beaten both of the Power Five teams on their conf- on their schedule by double digits, uh, went into Notre Dame, snapped a 26-game home winning streak by the Irish. Desmond Ritter had a big-time drive uh, at the end of that game or in the fourth quarter when Notre Dame made it 17-13, um, and it was a great drive. And it was well executed by Ritter. It was well called by Mike Denbrock, their offense coordinator. Tremendous. The thing I believe is there are still roadblocks in their way. So right now we've got Alabama and Georgia on a collision course for the SEC championship. Mm-hmm. If they're both 12-0, and they're both going to the playoff, regardless of who wins that game. But there's a niff. You know, Auburn, as you mentioned, this weekend for Georgia. They still have to play Florida. Auburn, they have Kentucky, the Kentucky game. Florida the next three weeks. So it's not... A full-on guarantee, but that's what plays into Cincinnati needs help. Oklahoma needs to lose, I mean, to get out of the way. So that needs to happen. It'll be an interesting discussion if Oklahoma, let's say, loses to Texas and then beats Texas in the Big 12 championship. 12-1 and Oklahoma, did they get in over Cincinnati? Interesting discussion there. And then Ohio State. Well, Ohio State is got one loss, they run the table, they win the Big Ten, they're in. Oregon, as we discussed at length earlier in the show, they now have one loss, but they have a big non-conference win over Ohio State. They need to lose again. So Cincinnati is situated in a very good spot. Best spot, I think, of any group of five team we've seen. Colin brought up Houston a couple years ago. Uh, They did lose to to Navy uh, in Annapolis in early October. Um they're in a great, they're in great shape, right? But they still need help, so that's why I don't think it is all in their hands. Well, I guess when I look at it, they've won the two games that coming into the season people said were the pinnacle point of their season: in Indiana, Notre Dame. Yeah. Unfortunately for them, UCF isn't as good under Gus Malzahn as they were under Josh Heupel, which is crazy to say, but they aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, SMU is playing the part. Uh, Houston, even though they lost to Texas Tech, is playing better. But I say they control their destiny because, and granted, the AP Top 25 is not the college football poll, which hasn't come out yet. But right now, since he's in front of Oklahoma mm-hmm. in the AP poll, they're in front of Ohio State. They're in front of Oregon. And Ohio State still has to play Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. Oklahoma still has... Texas, they still have at Oklahoma State. Like, mm-hmm. they still have some games, if they don't play more consistently than they have, that are very losable. And Iowa and Penn State, who are directly in front of Cincinnati, play each other Saturday. So I just think it's a unique situation. They had enough national exposure and attention. They played well enough in their bowl game last year against Georgia. Mm-hmm. The same Georgia team, if you go back and rewatch that Cincinnati-Georgia game, Tell me, now listen, I think Cincinnati was better last year than they are this year. I think there's no debate. I think they were yeah. definitely a better team But last if year. you look at them last year, they don't look a lot different than Georgia. Now, I don't think this team is as good because I'm not as sold that Desmond Ritter has gotten better. Well, but, they, lost their left, they lost their tackles. Right. They lost their safeties. They had some attrition. They lost, they lost pros. They had some attrition. but They're good. They're very good. Think, this isn't a knock on and, Cincinnati. And, I, and I'm going to say this now. I don't think they're going to be a a beauty contestant going down the stretch. I've said since we started this show, 
that the in-conference schedule in the AAC is extremely difficult. And they have some road games that are going to be hard. At Navy, Navy is getting better. Navy just beat University of Central Florida. You know, uh, they still have to play SMU. You know, these, these aren't going to be games where you're going to look up and the score is going to say since he's 62 and the opposition 10. Like, so I still think the sustainability from what they did last year through leading up to this year and then their performance versus Notre Dame when everybody was watching mm-hmm. will keep them right where they need to be, plus the fact that all the rest of the teams still have to play each other. Well, that is a good point, but that is they need that help, right? They can't have Ohio State go on an Ohio State run like we've seen. If Ohio State runs the table, goes 12-1, and one, they're in. If Oklahoma goes undefeated, they're in. Oklahoma goes 12-1, and one, and they win the Big 12. They're probably in. So Cincinnati needs to hope. And I'll tell you what, man, as a Notre Dame fan, a guy who watches that team so closely, Notre Dame's schedule is manageable, mm-hmm. but also has its challenges right. at Virginia Tech, home to USC, home to North Carolina, uh, at Virginia, who's got Brendan Armstrong, who can put up some points, mm-hmm. uh, at Stanford to close out the year. Cincinnati desperately needs Notre Dame to figure it out and turn it around and go 10-2 and two because, fair or not, that is their saving grace. They really need Notre Dame to be... 11 and 1, 10 and 2. 11 and 1 would be amazing for them because then they're top 10. Mm-hmm. They went in. They really handled that game. It was not that competitive. I mean, it was and it wasn't. They're up 17 nothing and a half, right? They, they, they did what they had to do. Notre Dame goes 11 and 1. It's a different ballgame. It's a different ballgame. Cincinnati really needs Notre the Dame to turn big, it around. Big picture, here's what's happening. And we haven't really talked about this yet. But I, and I know I've always said, you know, since we started the show, that this was the year of David. But the reasoning behind it, I've never really told you why. And here's why. The parity that exists in the National Football League is starting to trickle down to the collegiate game. The coaches at some of these programs, non-traditional programs, talking about, and when I say non-traditional, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, have kind of separated themselves. The coaching at some of these competitors has gotten much better. The exposure to how to recruit has gotten much better. And right now, there are more Little League football in America than there's ever been. Kids love this game. The exposure to this game is at an all-time high, meaning that there's more supply for the demand. And what you're starting to see now is even though the overall talent level at some of these top-tier programs is still significant, the margin for error has started to shrink. And I think as we move forward, the days of Oklahoma just running through, and granted, they're coming to the SEC. No one thinks they're going to run through the SEC. <laughs> no. <laughs> but the days of Ohio State running through the Big Ten are over. Ohio State's going to earn every Big Ten championship, in my opinion, they get from this year forward because Michigan State has Mel Tucker now. They're really good. Harbaugh has slowly figured it out. It's taken him a long time. James Franklin, if he doesn't leave Penn State, you've always mentioned they've got the number one recruiting class yeah. in the country right now. Iowa's starting to figure it out. Those athletes are looking better than the old traditional Iowa team. So the margin for error is getting smaller and smaller, and a lot of the guys that tutored and were mentored by these guys at the top five are now head coaches other places. So they've taken the processes that existed there and taken them to other programs. 
Gonna be a fascinating way to finish out the year. Cincinnati's kind of sitting back. They still got to take care of their business. Let's go, Bearcats! Got to turn it on. They got to hope. They got to hope there's some, some attrition across the country. Dodgers Cardinals tomorrow night. We head to LA to preview for you next right here on the Nightcap. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com. Check out current betting splits data. The new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving. For every game, you'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets, like the Yankees tonight, and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money line over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are just another way. VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN. Super Bowl champ, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Sean King. Proud Rays fan and future holder over there. I am Tim Murray, and uh, tomorrow we will get the NL wildcard game team that won 106 baseball games has to play a one-game playoff. And we bring in Jorge Castillo, who covers the Dodgers for the L.A. Times. You might remember him from his Nationals coverage at the Washington Post when I read him uh, on an everyday basis. Jorge, uh, appreciate you jumping on. Um, I know this is silly because it's baseball and, you know, mindset is more of like a, a football word that's thrown around there, but... The Dodgers won seven straight games to close out the season, if I, I believe I have that right. And they win 106 games, have the best run differential, and they have to now play in a one, win and in game. How are, how are these guys responding to this situation that obviously was staring them in the face for, for about a month or so? Yeah, I think they're responding... Uh, to it as they should, right? Uh, it's it's the reality, and I think as you mentioned, it's, it was staring at them for a while, and I think they they've kind of come to realize that this was the reality a few weeks ago. That it was a possibility, and you know, Sunday became the reality when the Giants beat the Padres, and you know, they they won out their 106 game, and they play in this wild card game here tomorrow. So I think they're just they're dealing with it. Hey, this is our situation. We didn't win our division. This is what happens. This is the format. It is what it is, and now we got to win tomorrow. Jorge, I'm fascinated, and, you know, I, as a Nationals fan and one who, you know, watched that team and pretty much watched every one of Max Scherzer's starts, know that he has a an M.O. of being so juiced up for big games, right? And he's on the hill tomorrow night, I think back to 2019. First game, gives up that two-run uh, two shot to Yasmani Grandal, give up another home run to, I think, Marcus Timms, and then kind of calmed down. Strasburg ultimately came in and saved the day against the Brewers. And I think back to last year, opening of the season against the Yankees, gives up a first inning home run. Is there a worry, at least from the fan base or from, you know, yourself covering this team and knowing Max Scherzer that the juices are going to be flowing so high that he could just groove that 97 mile an hour fastball to a, a, a pretty potent Cardinals lineup early on in this game. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's his Achilles' heel going back a while now. Uh, you know, he does give up the home run once in a while. You know, when he's at its best, and if he does that, it's usually a solo home run, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was one year. I think it was sixteen, maybe seventeen, where he like led the league and home runs allowed, or he was up there. Um, that's uh, that's his Achilles' heel for sure. Um, you know, you have to think that this might be peak. What we saw the last like two months since he came over here, not counting the last two starts. You know, this might be peak Max Scherzer right now. It's crazy to say, he's 37 years old, feature Hall of Famer, but he he was at his peak, man. He was doing he was doing crazy stuff. Just watching him, having him watch him every you know fifth day for for a few years down in Washington, just seeing him what he was doing, he was like on another level. So um, you do wonder about the juices flowing if he gets too amped up. You also got to wonder if he, he if he's learned from those 
you know, experiences in 19. And, you know, against the Cubs in that game five of the DS when he came out of the bullpen, got two quick outs, and then went south really, really quickly. And the Nationals obviously lost that game and were eliminated. Um, you know, you have to wonder if he learns from that experience. And you also have to wonder if the Dodgers will have a sort of a quick trip, uh, you know, well, you know, short leash um, for Scherzer tomorrow. Um, knowing the situation, it's one and done, and you can't, you can't get fall behind too far. So, you know, Julio Rios will be available out of the bullpen tomorrow. The Dodgers bullpen is a strong one. Uh, most numbers indicate that's the best bullpen in baseball. So, you know, they have guys behind Scherzer tomorrow as well. Hey, Jorge Castillo here on the uh, nightcap. Jorge, I know it's one and done. Can't hold anything back. You look at tonight, Garrett Cole, $300 million pitcher, gets pulled after two innings. Really extended that Yankees bullpen, even if they had come back and won, puts them at a huge disadvantage moving forward. You know, In your opinion, how does that impact the decisions that are going to be made tomorrow from a pitching standpoint? And also, let's assume that the Dodgers get by the Cardinals. Although the way the Cardinals finish the season, probably the hottest team in baseball, very dangerous opponent in this situation, but talk to us about when they move forward against the Giants, what that rotation could look like. Oh, for the Giants, I mean, first of all, tomorrow, it's one of those things, I don't think what, what, what Garrett Cole will happen today, I don't know if necessarily impacts tomorrow, but it just shows you, in a, you know, do or die situation. It doesn't matter how much money you're making, it doesn't matter what your name is, it doesn't matter your track record, it doesn't matter, it matters what you have that night. And Aaron Boone obviously decided tonight that Garrett Cole didn't have much and went to the bullpen, I I, I imagine the Dodgers tomorrow, if the situation comes up where Scherzer does not Scherzer, uh, they will go to the bullpen quickly. Now, you know, if the Dodgers do win tomorrow night, um, game one Friday in San Francisco, it would be Walker Buehler. Um, game two, that depends a little bit on if Julio Diaz, how much he does pitch tomorrow. If he does pitch tomorrow, he pitched game two. And then from there, Tony Gonsolin will probably get game three because the Dodgers do not have Clayton Kershaw for the postseason after his forearm elbow injury flared up again last Friday. So that's how it looks right now for the Dodgers. It's not as pretty as it was, you know, a week ago when that Clayton Kershaw is their number three, number four guy. But that's how it, it would play out uh, moving forward. Now, Jorge, are they planning on using David Price as a middle reliever, a stopgap, if one of the starters is struggling? Is that going to be his role in, in the postseason? Yeah, I mean, he, he's a reliever. He's a guy coming out of the bullpen. And, 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 you know, just given how the last few weeks went for him, he's not a guy that I think uh, Dave, Dave Roberts will turn to in a big spot. Um, there are other better options, guys who have pitched better um, over the last couple of months of the season. Um, but David Price will be a reliever. Uh, you know, he, he started a few games this season, but he just wasn't, you know, he wasn't as good as, you know, we, we imagined uh, David Price being. So I, I think he, he'll definitely come out of the bullpen. And it'll be in a situation probably where the Dodgers are up big or they're down big or, you know, it's late in the game and, and, and they need somebody to get an inning. Hey, Jorge, tomorrow, in your opinion, what happens? Yeah, it's tough, man. I, I've thousands of times I've been asked this question, and you know, one game playoff is so hard to sort of imagine what's gonna, you know, anything can go wrong, man. It's like baseball is a crazy game, as you guys know. And but I do think the Dodgers, just given the fact that you know they do have, I think they're just more talented um, than the Cardinals. I think Max Scherzer, that bullpen, Julio Diaz coming to the bullpen. I do think the Dodgers win tomorrow. Um, not having Max Muncy, which I haven't even gotten to, uh, that, that's a big deal for the Dodgers. I think it's a big deal tomorrow against Wainwright. I think it's a big deal moving forward. But I think tomorrow night, you know, with that offense, the offense is still dynamic. They got Mookie Betts. They got Corey Seager. They got Trey Turner. They got Justin Turner. They got AJ, They got guys. They got guys on guys on guys, man. So I think tomorrow the Dodgers win. Uh, 
and then sets up that, you know, classic rivalry, right? The Giants and the Dodgers have never played each other in the postseason. And if the Dodgers win tomorrow night, it happens on Friday. Wow. Yeah, that, that, the crazy fact that they've never played each other in the postseason. We talked to Jorge Casillo. Hey, hey, Jorge, what is uh, the latest with Muncie dealing with that, with that elbow injury? We know he's out tomorrow. Uh, will we see him if the Dodgers advance? Will we see him in the NLDS? No, I, I doubt we see him in the playoffs at all. Wow. Even if the Dodgers go deep, go you know, go to the World Series, deep into the World Series, I, I doubt it. But the Dodgers are holding out hope that you know he will be able to come back eventually at the end of October. Um, but I just just hearing what he was saying today, there is some ligament damage in there. He dislocated the elbow actually on Sunday when Jace Peterson ran through it and it popped into place when he was on the ground. It just doesn't sound good. His arm was like in some kind of like sort of robotic robot looking brace thing today and. It doesn't look great. Um, I just don't envision him being back from postseason. Does that mean Albert Pujols is he every day at first base moving forward? I, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I think they, you know, they have three options really. It's Albert Pujols, Matt Beatty, who's a left-handed hitter, and then Cody Bellinger, who also plays some center field, obviously, and had a you know terrible season this year offensively. Um, you know, I, I, I could see Pujols starting there tomorrow. I could see Beatty starting there tomorrow. I think those are the two guys that you got to think about. Uh, Pujols is a guy who came here to start start games and just really just hit against left-handed pitching. And Wainwright obviously is a righty, but he's a soft-throwing righty. So you have to wonder if maybe they go with Pujols there. But I, I, my guess is Matt Beatty will start uh, tomorrow night at first base for the Dodgers. All right, Jorge, before we let you run, they are the reigning champs. They are they have the shortest odds, but they've extended a little bit. They're around 4-1 to one or so to win the World Series. Do the Dodgers repeat as World Series champs? 30 seconds. Uh, I'm going to say... All right, if I were a betting man, I would not make that bet. <laughs> <laughs> and just because, man, just what they have to go through tomorrow. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, like, if the Dodgers do win tomorrow, I, I, it's hard for me to see them losing in, in, in the National League and not get into the World Series. And then once they get to the World Series, they'll find another challenge. But I would say no. All right, there he is. Jorge, enjoy the game tomorrow. It's going to be a tremendous atmosphere. There's no doubt. We appreciate the insight. No problem, guys. Thank you. There he is, Jorge Castillo from the L.A. Times. I agree, man. Anything can happen. Jorge seemed nervous. Well, he's a beat reporter. He he's, should be. He's not cheering for anybody. Wrap things up on the other side. It's the nightcap here on VC. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Nightcap on VSN, the sports betting network. Indeed helps you find great hires fast. Indeed is your all-in-one platform for interviewing, screening, and hiring high-quality people. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN. That is Sean King. I'm Tim Murray. We'll give you our final thoughts on the game or maybe our favorite play or two about Cardinals and Dodgers. Once again, Red Sox moving on a 6-2 win over the Yankees earlier tonight. Uh, a push on the total mm-hmm. of eight. Obviously, the Red Sox, whatever you bet them, that came home uh, with ease. Uh, prop bets, Garrett Cole under on strikeouts. Nathan Evaldi over on strikeouts. Uh, so uh, there you go. And there's the uh, prop bets there, too. So we'll get to uh, we'll get to baseball in just a little bit. But it is overreaction Tuesday. And, and me and Sean, you know, as we were one to do, got carried away and Yelling about BYU or something like that. The debate is good. Uh, but overreaction is something that there you do believe in it, but it's a long shot, and it probably is not going to happen, but you just never know. So, Sean, what is your overreaction this week? If I ask you a question. I will try to answer it. And the question was, 
What team has scored the most points in the NFL through four weeks? What would your answer be? I would say Cardinals or Rams. Arizona Cardinals lead the NFL in points for. Kyler Murray is completing 76% of his passes. There are elite college quarterbacks that don't complete. There are guys that throw pat and go in pregame with no defense that don't complete 76% of their passes. So my, my overreaction is twofolded in that I'm going to go out on a limb and say Kyler Murray wins the NFL MVP and that he leads the Arizona Cardinals to their first ever Super Bowl victory. Ooh. Hey, I like it. By the way, that would be something if I probably your did. two former teams. Tickets. They invited me to a game, by the way, too. So When are you going to go? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. You'll drive, I'll go. Giddy up. Let's look at the schedule. Look at the schedule. Yeah. I'm in. The nightcap hits the road, baby. Yeah. I'll drive down there. That's an easy drive. Five hours. I've, I've done it already. Yeah. Probably got the hookup. I don't know where Glendale is. It's like 45 minutes outside Phoenix. Yeah, it's outside. We'll have a good time. Maybe we'll go Saturday morning golf a little bit and go to the game Sunday. You, you pick the game, All I'm right. in. I'm looking at the schedule now. But I'm saying that Arizona wins the Super Bowl and Colin Murray wins NFL MVP. And I don't know that it's necessarily an overreaction because it's based on. I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, right now. It used to be the first quarter of the season. Right. Because they added a game, it's hard to do quarters now, but. They just look really good. Like, it's not like it's a one-off performance or it's a a two-game stretch or it's even like the Raiders' success, you know, where it was like comeback after comeback. Like, they've looked like one of the most talented teams in the National Football League. And we're going to see if it's sustainable. And uh, I'm I'm on the bandwagon. Uh, I think they're, what, 40-1 to now? I think of the odds for the oh, Arizona Cardinals way to less than that win now. the Super Bowl. Here at, at DraftKings, it's 16-1 to 1 now. To win the Super Bowl? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it has continued to sink. Even now. Understandably if, so. It's only going to get lower if they are what we think they are. And uh, I don't have any worries from an injury standpoint about Kyler Murray. He's never missed the NFL start. Granted, something tragic could happen. Sure. But, I mean, he's been durable thus far. And unlike... And here's what's very interesting. I want to point out something. <laughs> Excuse me. Because the big-time college coaches, in my opinion, have really struggled when they tried to make this transition because of their ego. Mm-hmm. The guys that have worked, Pete Carroll, no ego. Cliff Kingsbury hadn't done enough to have an ego. And it looks like he's adjusted and evolved on the job into a darn good NFL head coach. And this is going to be fascinating to watch because everybody, when he got that job, why are you hiring Cliff Kingsbury? Mm-hmm. This might set the precedent for the next group of college guys that get asked to be head coaches in the NFL. Because, and this is no offense to them at all, but the Urban Myers, the Nick Sabans, those guys just have not been able to adapt and evolve to not being the biggest personality, the biggest, the complete power vacuum in the building. Whereas Cliff was like, hey, I'm just happy to be here, man. Let me get to know my guys. Let's come up with some fun and creative ways to score points. And they sit 4-0 with the most points scoring National Football League. So it looks like this marriage in Arizona is starting to really work. It's not crazy, man. It is not. Uh, and it'd be fun to see them make a run. And your former team. Oh, yeah. It'd be fun to that'd see be, them. Be, I'd be stoked. Is that a word? 
Stoked? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'd say I'm that. on the West Coast. I'm Maybe. trying to add some of the lingo. All right. My overreaction, I mentioned it a little bit earlier in the show. C.J. Stroud's going to win the Heisman Trophy. He is 30-1 to 1 right now at the Westgate Superbook to win the Heisman Trophy. 20-1 to 1 at DraftKings, 14-1 to 1 at Circa, 16-1 to 1 at MGM. I'm betting this solely on the odds. Because we know that Bryce Young is the quarterback of the best team in the country. Georgia doesn't have a Heisman Trophy contender. Desmond Ritter, we talked about that earlier in the show, Sean. Desmond Ritter played well against Notre Dame. Didn't play out of this world against Notre Dame. His odds need to be like 2-1 to one right now, and they're not. Now he's out of sight, out of mind. Your guy, Kenneth Walker, continues to run at an incredible rate. B. John Robinson. But if Ohio State makes a run here, Sean, with big-time games against Penn State at home, Michigan State at home, at Michigan, the Big Ten championship game probably against Iowa, and he continues to take off like he did against Rutgers, and laugh all you want about Rutgers. Rutgers held Michigan to 42 yards of offense in the second half two weeks ago. C.J. Stroud went on the road and threw for 330 yards and five touchdowns. Now, I know your point, and it's very valid. He does not run. He is not a run threat. Neither is Bryce Young. Bryce Young, 17 touchdowns, two picks so far. C.J. Stroud, 13 touchdowns, three picks. Granted, he sat out a game Mm -hmm. due to injury. High-profile games to go. The opportunity is out there for him, Sean, to put up big-time numbers throwing to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, two of the best wide receivers in the country. Four premier games in the regular season. I think C.J. Stroud at 30-1 to is absolutely worth a play, and I think he can win the Heisman Trophy. My overreaction for today. Well, I'll say this. He controls his own destiny. How he plays against Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State is going to go a long way to determining does he get an invite, and if he gets an invite, can he actually win? So, I mean, that's a good spot to be in, to be at a program that has a platform that allows you the opportunity to state your case. For instance, Malik Willis has played phenomenal football, except for one game. And unfortunately for him, that game was the only game this year well, they play that the Ole majority Miss. of people are going to see. Right. Because Ole Miss has kind of fell out of, or I have to watch as well, because of their performances against Alabama. And so that's kind of the interesting part about, about college football, because there's so many games, there's so much volume, you really have to pick and choose, okay, what am I actually going to focus on? And here's what I'll say to support your point. People are going to watch Ohio State, Michigan. Four if Penn State wins this week, even if Penn State doesn't win this weekend, still Sean, a big game. you're watching Ohio State, yeah, Penn still State. A big game. You're watching Ohio State if your Sparties continue to play well. You're watching that game. If, you're obviously watching. If is not a word. <laughs> you're obviously watching Ohio State and Michigan. And if they're 11-1, and one, which is a big if, but if they're 11-1, and one, with two elite wide receivers that he gets to work with and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, you get to go into a Big Ten championship game. Now, Bryce Young will be playing Georgia. Is he going to put up big numbers against Georgia? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. So, at 30-1, to 1, I think it's worth a play. All right, let's wrap up the show before we toss it to Scott Seidenberg, who I don't know how the Yankee fan is doing today. He's probably not doing all He'll awesome. be okay. Do you have a favorite play or bet heading into the NL wildcard game? That is a side I actually of a man. really like the Cardinals. 
I've sat here since I've been on the show with you and said baseball's a game of streaks. Mm-hmm. Cardinals' hottest team in baseball to finish the year. If you throw out the last two games against the Cubs where they didn't even care and they didn't play their guys, they won 17 of the last 18. I- I'm taking that momentum against a Dodger team. That even though they finished hot, Muncy's not playing. Question marks about Scherzer. It's not like Jorge said, listen, Scherzer's going six no matter what. Oh, yeah. You could hear, okay. He also pitched poorly those last two yeah, games. Yeah, so I-, I think I'm taking the Cardinals. You're on the Cardinals? There will be a run scored in the first inning. Max Scherzer's on the hill. You've got a potent lineup for the Dodgers with Mookie Betts and Trey Turner and Justin Turner. Plus money. Yes, there will be a run in the first inning. That's Sean King. I'm Tim Murray. Thanks to Jorge Castillo. Thanks to Eric Eager. Thanks to Colin Sherwin. Thanks to Aaron Oster. Everyone behind the scenes, as always, the look ahead of Scott Seidenberg is next. See you, folks. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.